Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. <laughs> Drop the subject officially begins. Yes, I believe you can hear us on the radio airwaves. I can hear you. I can hear you. And you can hear us. We're also in the same room, so I don't know if that's really a good measure. But. That's true. <laughs> but I can hear you through my ear holes, and I can see you with my eye holes. Uh, yes, yes. And that means we are ready to rock and roll. Well, welcome to the week. Yes, welcome to the week ahead. I'm really excited about today. We have lots to talk about. We, of course, have the Emmy nom- the uh, Emmy Awards, which happened last night. And we have a producer named Emmy, so we will break down all things Emmy-related with Emmy. But you and I also both watched it. Yes. And we- Emmy will nom the Emmy wins this time, as opposed to Emmy nomming the Emmy noms. Yes. yes. We did a bit where she would nom on something and then talk about the Emmy noms. It was Emmy noms with Emmy noms. It was If there are nominations for radio bits, that would probably not nominate. I- I actually think it's one of our stronger pieces of work. <laughs> Just going to say it. It definitely was a stronger piece. I agree with you. Um, but we will break down all of the things that happened uh, at the awards last night. We also will be, for the Monday Munch Report, tasting the mystery-flavored Oreos. You guys do not know the work that has gone into bringing you this segment. I, I hear John Oliver in the back of my head saying, Are you not entertained? <laughs> like, we have gone to great lengths and many stores to find these mystery Oreos, but we found them um, today at the Larry last minute. Emmy actually is the one who found them. Did you say at the Larry last minute? At the very last minute. Got Larry on at the, the Larry there? vast minute. Who's um, Larry? It, well, we'll talk about Larry later. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, part two of the Monday Munch. Exactly. Um, but yes, Emmy found them at the at the Larry vast minute. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we've been to many stores in the L.A. region. I think we've been to probably between all four of us, you, me, Ginger, Justin, and Emmy. At least half a dozen stores. I think we've been to, yeah, probably close to 10 stores. I went to three of them. them. Yeah. And then it was like, is anyone going to be at a Target? Because there's good. I heard that they have them at the Target. And then it was people going to the Target and saying, we don't have them. And it was a crazy rigmarole. But we've got them. And we have to all enter our guesses on the website because the winner gets $50,000. I'm worried. I was trying to figure out, we need to figure how we're going to do that so we don't share with people what we think our guesses are, but we will taste them because we don't want we don't want to give it away. What if we're right? Well, I mean, everyone else is putting online that it's churro flavor. Oh, you can't. You're giving it away. No, I'm not. <laughs> But we I haven't have even to, tasted it yet. I know, but I'm just saying it's out there what the big guess is. I don't know. Oh. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying everyone's going to share their guesses, and okay. it doesn't even matter whether it's wrong or right, necessarily. Oh, I mean, it's just entering to win. Yeah, it's entering to win. You can enter a new guess every single day. Oh. So we can... I'm still not telling you people what I think. Okay, fine. <laughs> you want to play your cards close to the chest? Your close. Oreo cards? I'm going to play my cards very close okay. to the vest. I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> okay, great. And I'm going to tell you at the Larry Vast minute. At the Larry Vast. I can't wait. Well, I wanted to... We have a name for this episode now, but okay. The Larry Vast podcast. I I went to Santa Barbara this weekend to have dinner with a friend and meet her new partner. And we, you know, had dinner, had some wine. It was a good time. And then we were driving back, me and my wife were, and we were in one of those rare situations in Southern California where there's no traffic. It was... Wow. Yeah. You're on the freeway just like switching lanes because you can't... Oh, and I'm like the night rider. I'm like, (laughs) flying across the lanes, just feeling great. And you get pulled over. And I got pulled over. Oh, you did? Yep. Oh, I was being sarcastic. No, I... was like finishing up the joke here. Got pulled over. Oh, no. Again. 
Okay. Were you, you were with me when I was telling you the last time I got pulled over, right? It was like three weeks ago? Yeah, I think you did talk about and that like, recently. And Moon Circle got me out of the ticket. Yes, yes, because Katie was in the car. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And Katie again was in the car. And it was a woman officer. Yes, that time it was a yeah. woman officer. This time it was a male officer. Uh-oh. And... Katie, this is not a good track record for me because she always makes fun of my driving anyway and always tells me to slow down. And she tries to be really nice about it. She's like, when you're going 85, I feel scared. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll I'll try and put the brakes on it. But like I said, one of those rare moments where there's not a lot of traffic. So... I did not see this guy at all get pulled over, and I'm resolute to the fact that I'm getting a ticket. I'm going, all right, I'm, I got pulled over, I'm going to wait, and he comes up to the you know, the passenger side of the door and you know, asks for the license and registration and insurance, and I was like, man, I went through this three weeks ago and I couldn't find my insurance, and now I still can't find my insurance, but I found it, I gave it to the guy, and I was like, how fast was I going? And he was like, 84 at one point. I was like, okay, well... Um, Thank you, sir. And then he was like, is this your current address? And I was like, no, but I I went to the DMV and I got the pink slip, but I don't have it here. It was the whole thing. So then he leaves. And there's also some random dude in the car with him that is not in officer clothing. Maybe doing like a ride along or something. I think he was doing a ride along. Yeah. So he's like standing outside the other guy the whole time and then the officer's like filling, you know, goes to the back of his car and like fills out his stuff. And then he comes back and he goes, all right, I'm not going to give you a ticket for your speed. I'm going to give you a ticket, a fix a ticket for your for your change of address because the DMV doesn't have a record of your um, change said, of address. He said, basically, you lied to me. Yeah. So he gave me a fix a ticket. And I drove away and I was like, why didn't I just get a ticket? That's BS that I didn't get a ticket. Uh- uh, do you want me to touch that or? Yes, I, I that's mean, why I'm asking you. I'm just like, look here, white lady. Uh, I know. That's <laughs> yeah. I think that's why. Like I was talking about it the whole way home. I was like, this is BS. Yeah. Like I did nothing to try and get out of that ticket. Yeah. I didn't even say, oh, it's because of this or whatever. I didn't even make up an excuse. There was not even any effort on my part to try and get out of the ticket. I yeah. pulled over, going, I was speeding. I should have gotten a ticket. Why did he let me? Like I know why. Yeah. But it's just. And Katie's like, oh, you'd be thankful. And I'm like, but I, I like, this is stupid. Yeah. My like, anxiety goes through the roof every time you have a police story. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this whole time you've been telling the story, I'm like, where is this going to end? Where is this going to end? I mean, I, 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 you know, blessed assurance for you that it worked out the way that it did. Um, shout out to Chelsea Handler and the new white privilege documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like I, I see a police officer on the road and like, like yeah. I'm I can't breathe until it's gone until we're like away from each other um and so yeah I mean you know snaps for you well I mean and go fix that damn license no no I will yeah, yeah. and I'm not trying to bring this up to be like oh I'm so thankful I got out of a ticket no, I'm no, trying I get that. to like bring it up because I thought like yes that was the reason I got out of that ticket was because of my white privilege and I recognized that from the beginning until the end yeah and I was just like this is like, yeah, maybe I got off on the ticket, but I really shouldn't have. And it's just like, why? It was so obvious mm-hmm. to me. And maybe it's becoming more obvious to me now that I feel like I've, I guess, been 
thinking and talking about this stuff a lot more. Yeah. And then after seeing her, you know, Chelsea Handler, not just because of that documentary, but she talks about this directly about how she dated this guy who, you know, they were both like doing drugs and like doing that stuff. And then she was like, every time we got pulled over, I got off and he didn't. I got off and told to go home and, and do well and he would get arrested. Right. I, uh, I We talk often about the fact that I Uber all the time as opposed to driving. And sometimes if I, you know, want to drive or something, I'll rent a car or if I have somewhere to go that's further than I feel like I should be Ubering. Um, but I think part of it is also like I have a, an anxiety that comes every time I get behind the wheel uh-huh. is like I don't want to get pulled over I don't want to have to have an interaction with the police officer because you just never know how that's going to go right um, and so like I, th- I that's part of like the anxiety around driving for me um, I'm a great driver but like yeah it makes me nervous but you know yeah it, it's that's the world we live in well I'm vowing to slow down from now on all right well that's good at least until like remember until 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 the next time Katie yells at you exactly Uh, we'll take a quick break when we come back we're going to jump into the Emmys there were a lot of big moments last night that's up next on Drop the Subject with Jared and Allie on the new channel Q on your radio and radio.com Drop the Subject we'll be right back the new channel Q Drop the Subject the new channel Q someone's already mad at me well I guess it didn't take long Um, (laughs) I guess we're just picking right up from where we left off last week (laughs) Or someone was mad at me. Look, oh, I can't please right. we everybody. Did that way, didn't we? We did, yeah. Uh, Ed on Twitter is very upset with me about uh, my getting pulled over over the weekend. And I said, you know, I really should have gotten a ticket. And I think the reason that I didn't was because of, you know, my privilege as a white woman driving around and being like, yeah, I can go 85 miles an hour and not think like much of it compared to other people and he's saying you're right uh, your rant about white privilege really pissed me off you don't know why the cop did what he did maybe he thought that you were cute may i was that is that all uh he was on the way home and couldn't be bothered to write you and the car for any other infraction obviously obviously your license came up clean look i'm not saying a hundred percent that i know for a fact that he's saying this is a white woman yeah i I normally wouldn't take it on on your behalf, but Ed, um, we're not talking about uh, Ali individually, specifically, but also individually and specifically. But like, we're discussing this from a perspective of like how this happens historically, like time and time again, um, and how this there's like a pervasive, uh, consistent. First of all, Ed. <laughs> The idea that you don't know what we're talking about is ridiculous, and I know that you know what we're talking about, so don't be stupid. Number two, we know that black and brown people are pulled over at higher rates, that are ticketed at higher rates, get um, get sentenced at a higher rate, get convicted at a higher rate, and are often abused and beaten by police in a way that does not happen to white people, specifically white women. So don't be stupid. Moving on. Um, sorry, that kind of pissed me off. No, you're fine. I think that um, the uh, the alternative was that maybe it was because he thought I was hot. Is right because that's not, so much better. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe which, it was just because I looked hot. Which is still that like could, the uh, privilege of being a white right, woman. Right. Like, the point I'm making stupid. is that I didn't try to get out of the ticket, and I got out of the ticket, which I deserved. Like, so anyway, uh, I'm sorry, Ed, if go. if you're upset. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Emmy, shall we? There was a. Uh, Apparently, you and I were the only people watching. Oh? It had a new low. Really? In ratings, yeah. Which I was kind of like, oh, I'm actually enjoying watching this this year. Yeah. And uh, then to see that not only were the Emmys some of the lowest rated in history, but only 14% of broadcast television series actually won any awards. So it was... A 14% of broadcast series, you said? 
yeah, of like TV broadcasts. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I hadn't saw those statistics. That's Everything really else was like Netflix, Amazon, yeah. HBO, all that stuff. Well, I mean, so, all of those shows that came out because they did this. Thi- they did a few things differently. Yeah. They had some casts of shows come out that uh, of shows so that, that are no gone. longer on. Yeah, like Veep and Game of Thrones, which was a really awkward. <laughs> Really, yeah. really awkward moment. I thought the Veep one was better uh, than the Game of Thrones one. I, I first of all, I, I, I'm always the person who points this out. I thought production design was really, really cool, and it was probably at its best during the Game of Thrones reunion moment that they had with the the screens and the, the snow. It was just very, very cool. I thought the Veep one was more funny when they brought out the whole cast and Julia Louis Dreyfus is just a comedic genius. Like she's like I thought I was going to be doing this yeah, I'm by sorry. myself. And you then none of the other cast members could speak <laughs> right, because right. she was... Yeah, I love that they keep the, the joke going. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. obviously that one was written fun, yeah. in a funny way. The Game they'll, of Thrones They'll be ones, fun to see in a reunion in like five to seven years. Totally. I'll enjoy that. Yeah. The Game of Thrones cast just kind of, they threw them up there. By the way, uh, producer Emmy is nomming throughout this. Uh, what oh, are you yeah. eating today, uh-huh. Emmy? Granola. Granola. Okay, What's, this is... Oh, how was it? We did Emmy noms. Hey, good. Well, Green, Emmy noms. Free granola. <laughs> so now Emmy's going to be nomming on granola and uh, and enjoy and enjoying commentary with us. Yes. So the Game of Thrones one was basically just them taking turns speaking and then everyone cheering for certain people like, and for not for certain others. people and not for other people, <laughs> yeah, which made it so strange. There was another new thing they did was that they had these fake factoids that they read that this guy read after somebody won. So it'd be like Billy Porter for Pose, and then he'd be walking up, and this guy would just kind of nonchalant. Now you're nomming. I'm having fun with that. <laughs> so the Emmy but guy, he was just kind of like giving fake facts or giving funny jokes so while we, they were walking yeah. up to the stage, so but it did announcer, not work. There's an announcer for the Emmys. Uh, her name's Ellen Kay. She's a, a really big radio personality here in LA. She's also the voice of um, the Grammys, and she does other award shows. She was um, Ryan Ryan Seacrest's co-host for a long time. Then she got her own morning show here, um, and she's like the first and only like woman hosting a morning show on radio here. Um, so she's the, the announcer. <clears throat> Excuse me, <laughs> these cookies. She's the announcer, and she <laughs> is there. But then they also had what they were calling the Emmy commentator, where he would be like, "This is Darrell Jerome's first award. He worked really hard and did like." But he's like cracking jokes, and it was like, it would be funny maybe sometimes, but doing it for every award was weird. There was a couple of them that I was like, "Oh, that's funny." Like when Billy Porter was walking up, he was guess Billy Porter had on that hat that yeah. had the big point on it right. that went off to the left. And he was like, I feel very bad for whoever is sitting behind and to the left of yes. Billy Porter tonight. And it was like, that was something funny. <laughs> it was funny, but, but it was still like, why are we doing this? And like, I think it was like they half assed committed to it. Yeah. Like the, the, it was like the microphone was too low. So it was just him kind of being like, and this is Billy Porter's blah, 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 blah. It's definitely and it was like, are you going to like, one of those things that do it comes like an up, announcer. It's one of those things that comes up in a conversation of when you're producing and like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did? And then like you do it. And it's like no, that didn't work. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be funny, actually. Yeah, and I do know this, that feeling. Yeah, you, <laughs> you guys did this in rehearsal, and like everyone was just like, "Oh, this will be great. Yeah. This will be great." And like that was weird. Yeah, um, and if that fails, the Game of Thrones cast coming out will definitely be a top that. Um, okay, when we come back, we've got clips of uh, some of the great moments of last night. You're not going to miss those because those are some of our favorites and some of the worst. Um, that's coming up next on Drop the Subject. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. 
time to continue with our Emmys coverage. Speaking of, our producer Emmy is over there eating. That must mean it's time for Emmy noms for Emmy wins. And I know a, a general overview. I know Game of Thrones had a big evening. I know Chernobyl, the show, went a lot better than actual Chernobyl. But what is just a little flash of what happened last night in terms of winners and losers? All right. Best drama was Game of Thrones. Best comedy was Fleabag. I was I was surprised that it was Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones didn't get a whole lot of love last night. Go on, sorry. No, but I think they were also like, this is our last, exactly. last season. Yeah. True that. Best actress in a drama was Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. Best actor for drama was Billy Porter for Pose. Which was a historic moment. Mm. First time, like I said, an out gay man has won. He had an amazing um, speech, didn't he? Yes, let's take a listen. We actually have a little bit of audio for that. Give me one second. I love that the producer tosses to their own clip. That's good work, Emmy. (laughs) You know what we have is some audio (laughs) Because it just seems appropriate right now. Yeah, okay. So let's take a listen to Billy Porter, um, who won last night for Pose. Oh my God, I gotta breathe! I gotta breathe! Oh my God, God bless you all. The category is love, y'all, love. I am so overwhelmed and I am so overjoyed to have lived long enough to see this day. James Baldwin said, took many years of vomiting up all the filth that I had been taught about myself and halfway believed before I could walk around this earth like I had the right to be here. I have the right. You have the right. So I loved that James Baldwin quote. Um, and I think Billy Porter being the first out gay man to win that award um, and quoting James Baldwin was just, you know, I thought that was really perfect. Definitely one of the best speeches of the night. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you, I was really surprised that he won last night. Um, just the idea that Pose got enough visibility for people to see it and vote for him, I thought was surprising. But I thought... He does fantastic work on that show, so it's not that he didn't deserve it, but I was surprised that... That the, the representation voters, was actually exactly, there when it's supposed to be. The, right, right, that the voters saw it and, and thought of him and voted for him because, you know, that doesn't happen often. And how relevant are Emmy wins, honestly, like these days? Like, do you think they really hold validity of people's overall opinions? Because, I mean, a ton of people had their, like, moment to shine last night and it didn't necessarily reflect in the wins. Yeah, so, well, that was one of the things I was going to touch on. Um... I feel like the the award shows there's the more I work in this business the more I see how like award shows really aren't based on like the quality of the work so much as it is like a popularity contest in high school and like who people vote for um, I was fascinated by um, last night with uh, when they see us all of the nominees for when they see us every time their faces came up on screen there was so much cheering and there was so much noise and like oh my god you know and then when it was time to call the name of the person who won, that they wouldn't win. Uh, Jarrell Jerome was the only person who won from When They See Us last night. And I, I felt, and I tweeted this last night, hearing the applause and cheering for, you know, all of these black folks in these black roles, including John Leguizamo as well, um, and uh, Via Farmiga, it was kind of like 2019, 2016 again, when it was like, all of these people are so like vocally here for diversity and telling these important stories, and then they go into the polls and vote, and they don't do what they said right, they would do. Right. Um, so we are going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got uh, Michelle Williams, her incredible moment last night, uh, Jarrell Jerome wins, and RuPaul got asked a question backstage that was a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, um, and I don't want to forget Kim Kardashian getting laughed at. I, you know, I don't love that. Uh, we'll, of course we'll you don't. That. We'll talk about that next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. 
drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. We have a few more minutes, Jarrett. Let's break down the rest of what we can, the rest of what we have time to, in terms of the Emmy Awards last night. So, Wait, I, know, huh? I know one of your favorite moments last night, and I, I, definitely one of the big moments, was Michelle Williams when she won uh, last night. She got up and talked about what it was like to be able to ask for what she needed in her uh, in her roles and like be able to get those things. And I thought she, I was watching it and I was like, come on, Michelle, come on. Say something, say something, and she did. Here she is. And so the next time a woman, and especially a woman of color, because she stands to make 52 cents on the dollar compared to her white male counterpart, tells you what she needs in order to do her job, listen to her, believe her, because one day she might stand in front of you and say thank you for allowing her to succeed because of her workplace environment and not in spite of it. I was I was really happy because she was talking about having asked for different wigs and asked for more rehearsal and asked for more uh, yeah, you know, assistance. Singing, yeah. And I was like, uh, uh, oh, okay, okay, I see where this is. Like, it was really, really good. And she did. Where did you think job. it was going to go? Well, no, I was just like, yeah, white women can definitely get those things when black women can't in oh, those roles. And so okay. I was hoping that she was going to say that, and she did. And I was just really happy that she that she called that out because it was really great. Yeah, because I think that you know, in a lot of workplaces, it's like I need the following to do my job well, and it's like you'll be fine. You yeah, can do make it. Yeah, it's going to be good. You know what? Like you're kind of lucky to have this job type of a thing. Absolutely, and be happy like, to be working. I love what she said about how she was able to succeed because her work environment allowed, like, not allowed her to, but like Offered that they her what helped she needed. her. Yeah. Yeah, and she didn't do it in spite of everything. So the moment last night that that really stood out to me where I was just like kind of jarred by what I was seeing was RuPaul. Uh, RuPaul got up and won. Uh, I think this is the fourth year in a row that he's won for uh, the, the awesome work over at uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm watching Emmy reach over for more granola. Just like, <laughs> yes, Emmy noms while Emmy wins continues. Yeah. Um, and so uh, RuPaul ran up on stage, had on this awesome suit, by the way. He always has one really cool suit. Um, and he got up on stage and then like white person, white person, white person, white person, white, like there was like just team, so yeah. many, like it was a sea of like white faces. And I know within the black community, there's this conversation about RuPaul and how RuPaul is like been really, really great for representation and being able to show, you know, uh, the LGBTQ community, but like has some really problematic perspectives when it comes to race. And, and uh, last night in the press room, he was asked, he, um, someone said, I'm looking at your team and I don't see a lot of diversity. As someone who represents for the LGBTQ community, uh, do you think it's important for that diversity to be represented behind the scenes? And here's his answer. Well, first of all, most of our show is black, gay, and um, uh, a drag queen. So uh, check, check, and check. Uh, but now we're pretty diverse. Yes, there are uh, lots of types of people here. Um, is it important? Absolutely. You know, hey, you know, I grew up, I had to fight. I, I, uh, what? I'm, I feel like I'm about to quote a movie right now. Oh, my um, life. There you go. It wasn't easy getting here. You know, you know what I had to do. Yeah. So basically, he was rambling a little bit. Yeah. It seems like. So he was asked this question by a a black female journalist named Danielle Young, who writes over at Essence. And she said, you know, I don't see diversity on your team. Do you think that's important? And Rue didn't really have an answer for that because his team is predominantly white men. His answer was himself. Yeah. He was like, I'm a black gay man. 
So this is diversity. <laughs> like, okay. And so I did this piece in Variety about the Emmys uh, a, about a month and a half ago, and I was interviewing one of the heads of one of the major networks, and I asked them all about how they were dealing with diversity. And diversity was something that they said they, uh, well, you know, we hire black and brown um, uh, executive producers and showrunners, and, you know, we really task, they're, they are really the ones that bring in the diversity. And that's basically saying, like, oh, we bring in a diversity hire, and we expect them to diversify us. Mm. And it's like, that's not how that works. Right. Because this is a perfect example, of right? Of how that doesn't work. Of how right. that doesn't work. Because just because you are black or brown, or just because you're LGBTQ or whatever, doesn't mean that you are like a, a person who like champions all of the communities in which you re- represent in the intersection. Um, and like RuPaul is a perfect example of that. And I love RuPaul. And I think RuPaul is fantastic and has done great things for community. But like RuPaul is, is not like... Is not necessarily the best person to to represent on on the intersection of race. Yeah, I know he's gotten criticized about that before in the past. You had a Kim and Kendall moment. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I was just a casual observer. There were a lot of awkward moments last night, including Ken Jong's weird TikTok video bit that was super weird. We were like, is this like a branded moment? That Why was is this happening? So strange and I think so Nick long. Nick Cannon's like response or his reaction during the whole thing yeah. was what made it like. He was like, mm-hmm. I'm just he was gonna... just like there, like with a just face of disgust. Yeah, <laughs> it was so strange. Lorne Michaels won again for SNL, and he had some weird speech about Chris Farley dying. <laughs> it was like, yeah, uh, well, um, okay. So like the small thing about that was the episode that they submitted for the for the Emmy win was the Chris the Adam Sandler episode where they did the tribute to Chris Farley. Okay. So, but it was just like he really went on and on about it, and was like, all right, it man. It was like, okay, well, thank you, sir. Right. And then another awkward moment that everyone was talking about was. That uh, and I was surprised to see Kim Kardashian and Kendall Jenner. I was actually surprised at first that I even recognized them because uh, I don't really know their family that well. I'm not like that's Kendall, that's Kim, that's this person. Um, so the the announcing was helpful, but they presented one of the Emmy Awards and the audience had a reaction. Our family knows firsthand how truly compelling television comes from real people just being themselves, telling their stories unfiltered and unscripted. Here are the nominees for Outstanding Competition Series. So when they said we, uh, our family knows about compelling television because it's real people telling real stories, I think that's where the audience was like, but you're kind of not real people. I, I, you're, you're completely elevated 1% of people who are being who has a team of script writers and that can put you in these scenarios and make quote unquote compelling television out of your life i i just think it's really ironic that that room of people would respond that way like you all are people who play like these different characters and i don't know i just i feel like there's so much disrespect for the kardashians and like i i don't think that they're like a shiny beacon of like what america can be or something but i do think that there's so much disrespect for them um and so much like hate of their show and all that by so many people who a have never watched their show and b like have no idea of like the things that those people do and like that's kind of the challenge that i have with like how much kardashian hate there is out there um well yeah but like those people like the people that are laughing are not making a bunch of money saying that they're the person that they're playing on TV. I yeah, okay. I don't I don't see it that way, but I hear what you're saying. Um we got to take a break cuz Emmy's playing that music. Uh we've got a whole lot more of drop the subject coming up including news it or lose it right after this. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new channel Q. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. 
Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. It's time for News It or Lose It. Ali, you've got headlines. I've got headlines. We're taking three apiece because we've got an interview coming up a little bit later on in the show. So there's only going to be one News It or Lose It. I know you all might be really disappointed. It's okay. News It or Lose It will be back tomorrow. Um, Ali, your first three headlines. All right. Headline number one, school to set physical fitness standards for bus drivers. Uh, uh, oh, sure. Okay. Headline number two, break me off a piece of that luxury Kit Kat bar. Uh, Please do, because uh, it was $17 and I can't afford my own. <laughs> All right. And then headline number three, are your potato opinions disgraceful? BuzzFeed has the answer. But I don't even... Sure. Okay, you're going to okay. use all my stories. I, I'm i feeling pretty good. Opinions? I don't even know. Okay. Um, Everyone has potini- uh, uh, potato opinions. Were you trying to make a, a portmanteau there? Potato opinions? Potato opinions. There we go. A potato opinion. Um. Okay. So, this is America's best fast casual pizza. Hmm. Fast casual pizza. Okay, sure. Meghan Markle and Ivanka Trump are awkwardly attending the same wedding. Ugh, lose it. And the wordgenius.com word of the day is eponymous. Eponymous? All right, sure. I'll news that one. All right, so we've got... I have the crappy bell. Here. Ah. Um, okay, we've got so much more coming up. News It or Lose It continues right after this. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm Jared Hill. It's time for News It or Lose It. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. Do you want me to go first? Go for it. All right. The state of Maine is setting the standard for bus drivers. And yes, this goes back to maybe the stereotype that there's like an old fat bus driver. It's been a topic. It's been a side character in many an Adam Sandler movie. But it's time to change that, says a school in Maine, because they are considering new standards along with other new safety requirements for all of their bus drivers. They're going to have to do physical fitness tests. The push for new standards is inspired by, uh, oh man, a December 2017 crash in Oakland, Iowa that killed a 74-year-old driver and a 16-year-old student. An investigation found that a lack of physical fitness testing contributed to the crash. So the Portland Press-Herald reports that Maine is among 44 states that do not require physical performance tests for drivers. I had no idea that many other states already had regulations for this. Same. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I've never heard that before. The National Transportation Safety Board has urged the states to do so in the wake of the Iowa crash. So it seems that if you want to be a bus driver, you're going to have to prove that you are physically fit. And there are going to be some requirements. Maybe Did you have to do uh, physical fitness tests in school? Uh, tests like to make it up to a certain... Well, we had to like run a mile and stuff like that. But I don't think it was a requirement that we met some level or something like that. Okay. I had well, I didn't have to meet a certain level, but we had to if you like reached a certain point, you had to get a physical fitness patch. Like you got a physical fitness patch on your little sweater. 
Oh, for like achieving something? Yeah, to like run a mile in under 10 minutes and other crap like that. And I I never had a patch. I always felt so crappy about myself because I could never run a mile in under 10 minutes. My mile was always pretty depressing. It was a solid 14, 15 minutes and it was primarily walking. So Yeah, yeah. well, that's the way to do it. Um, We've got more news to lose it coming up right after this. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. It's a new Channel Q. I didn't know that luxury candy was a thing, um, but it sounds like something I could probably get into. Really luxury food of any kind. So what is this luxury Kit Kat situation? Well, there are 1,500 different flavors. That is part of the Kit Kat chocolatory creation. There are 1,500 different opulent eight-finger bars that are now going to be hitting the shelves at $17 a pop. And so they're going to be mixing and matching flavors. Customers will be able to opt for uh, British classics like Eton Mess, Cherry Bakewell, and Earl Grey. There's also Whiskey and Ginger Kit Kat bars. As is a flavor the company doesn't describe, but calls it the Jewel of the East. (laughs) What does that even mean? I feel like that's when you like when you know like I feel like I've seen that in Princess Diaries or something where I, you're just like explain that that's somebody's title when it means nothing and she is the jewel of the east. I just don't know what any of these things mean for candy. Have you ever tried the green tea Kit Kats? Is it white chocolate but it's like Ooh, it's like a green. light green I think Kit Kat I've bar. I think so, so we had them like years ago. Oh really? Like, it, like at least two years ago. Okay, I had I had them. I think last year when I was on my honeymoon, we saw them at the airport, and we were like, "What is this? Let's try it." And at first, like the first break off a piece that I had, I was like, "Okay," and then I couldn't get enough. I wanted more, and it's, it's hard to find them here. I it's I, I feel like flavors like that when we had those. What do we have in here? Those date nut bar things that have like 65 names in them. Why would you bring those up at a time well, like, like this? Well, like the first bite, it's like, what is this? And then the second bite, it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then by the third bite, you're like, oh, I could eat a box of these. And I think flavors are weird like that. And so this idea that they're, I I just, $17 for a Kit Kat is a hard sell. Well, break me off a piece is going to be a lot more, there's going to be a lot more weight to that question. I'm not breaking you off a piece. That's $2 worth of candy Exactly. Right break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. They can't use that with the commercial campaign for this. Yeah. There's no way. I think that's a, I, this sounds like something I would love in a, in a swag bag or something, but I'm not going to buy $17 worth of Kit Kat, worth of a Kit Kat, at the checkout counter at Ralph's. This one has, uh, it looks like, little crumbles of nougat I on top of it. These little crumbles of red something on top. What is that? What as you scroll down, like there's more like, is that like raspberry or something? Oh yeah, that look that just looks amazing. That looks like that Christmas bark, you know, where it's like peppermint and chocolate and all that stuff. I mean, it mm. looks tasty, but I just don't think I'd pay for it. No, no, I think we all agree that neither of us would want to pay for this the new Kit Kat <laughs> but... chocolate. Chocolatory creation. I if don't you've even got know a sugar a daddy or sugar mama who can buy you a pack of these Kit Kats, then uh, you're in business. Earlier this year, it launched a new Kit Kat that distills its sweet flavor from a cocoa fruit without any refined sugar. I don't want a Kit Kat without refined sugar. Like, why would I <laughs> that's do what that? Make it, yeah, that's what makes a Kit Kat a Kit Kat. The bars will be available from John Lewis stores around the country. Oh, so you can only get these at like certain places? 
Yeah, I mean, that's part of the luxury brand is that they make it exclusive. Like, I have to go like, to K Jewelers or something to get this? <laughs> In the United States, Kit Kat bars are made by Hershey under license. I... I don't even know where exactly how we're going to find... If we had this much difficulty finding a mystery Oreo, how are we going to find a luxury Kit Kat? I don't know. Get on it, Emmy. She's the one who found the mystery Oreo, Emmy, so... you've got more you work to, to do. You have oh. uh, two hours to find the luxury Kit Kat. There's Kats. a whiskey and ginger bar, though. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. I, I, As I'm thinking about that, I like Wentz whiskey and ginger ale. That could... But that with chocolate? That's weird. All right. Do you want to do you want to go, or do you want me to do what's wrong with your roasted potato opinions? Uh, I love potatoes. Go ahead. Okay. This is a BuzzFeed quiz. I'm going to do a lightning round. Would you eat red pot- roast potatoes with tomato ketchup? Yes. Wow. Would you make mashed potatoes? Oh wait, it's over. That's, That's it. it. Oh wait. <laughs> so like we know enough. Oh, you're so you're in the 31 percentile apparently, and most 69 percent said definitely not. They would never eat roasted potatoes with tomato ketchup. But it, I think it depends on the meal. Like if it's is there another kind of ketchup? What do you mean? You oh, said, it's tomato a tomato ketchup. ketchup? Is uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of... It just says tomato ketchup. Sorry, go instead ahead. of sriracha ketchup. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I think in a breakfast situation, I always want potatoes with ketchup. But when potatoes are eaten for lunch or dinner, I don't want ketchup on the potatoes. It depends I... on the meal for me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. If it's a breakfast potato, it definitely deserves a ketchuping. But if it's for a roasted potato at dinner, I I, have, I don't really generally see a roasted potato as a dinner item. No, that's when I go for butter, sour cream, chives, yeah. cheese, bacon bits. And there commercial are, breaks. And commercial breaks. <laughs> There's more questions about mashed potatoes and making them with water versus milk. So that's exciting. Water? Is that a thing? Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. We're back at it with more news that are lose it. We're being judged about potatoes, apparently. Um, Well, only being judged by BuzzFeed, which doesn't mean much. Well, fair. So the first question that I asked you was, would you eat roasted potatoes with tomato ketchup? You said yes. Which apparently shut down the entire conversation. (laughs) Well, I thought that it was like the screen completely changed and I was like whoa why aren't we like it's almost seemed like we weren't even allowed to answer the rest of the questions but it continues on okay so would you make mashed potatoes with just water no yeah it says uh, that sounds good to me or that is a crime against mashed potatoes a crime against humanity I would agree with you that is 100% a crime against mashed potatoes even if it's like almond milk you put some kind of dairy or milk in there I, yeah Okay. Okay. Is leaving the skin on mashed potatoes okay? Yes. I agree. Yes. And I think a lot of people are like, whoa, there's skin in here, but it actually tastes better and the skin's good for you. Yeah, as long as you like clean it first. True. That can get kind of gross. Yep. All right. Is it okay to put tuna mayo on your baked potato? What? That is disgusting. Uh, It is a picture of a baked potato with a bunch of tuna in it. Oh, God. That person should be shot. This is the... (laughs) This is the lesbian bat signal, I, this potato. That, my stomach is making choices right now. All right. And then finally... So, so to be clear, no. Uh, okay. Got it. Thank you. And then number five, are chips with cheese and gravy okay? I mean, that's poutine. That's, oh, poutine that's, is amazing. Yeah, that's a thing of God. God left poutine. Jesus left poutine on his way up to the heavens. <laughs> up to heaven. Yeah. And then finally, uh, God, there are too many questions. Are sweet potato fries better than regular ones? No. No. Definitely With the not. right dipping sauce, they can be good, but never better. No. Is it okay to have lumps in your mashed potatoes? No. Absolutely. 
Oh, really? Definitely. Okay, okay. I'll say absolutely. Texture. Is gnocchi a proper potato? Uh, I mean, scientifically, yes. I mean, yeah. I think it is technically a yeah. potato. Are potatoes better than roasted... Uh, are new potatoes better than roasted potatoes? This is getting really petty. I have no idea. A new potato, I think, is like the white potato. I think the roasted potato... Uh, no, I don't know if I'm committed to that answer. All right, let's see. Uh, and then finally... God, there are way too many questions on this. Two, last two, last two. Should the consistency of mashed potatoes be like a thick liquid? No, we've already discussed no. this. Why are you repeating yourself? And then finally, are potato smileys better than waffle fries? Potato smileys? What yeah, is that? Yeah, potatoes that look like smiley faces. Oh, that's awful. Raffle, yeah, waffles waffle fries all. all the way. Okay. So, apparently, you have pretty good taste in potatoes. Well, that... Thank you. That's Buzz we went feed? through all of that for for me to have good taste in potato. For you to wing? have good taste in potatoes, I'll take that. I, I mean, I I took a test to ask what kind of garlic bread I was with Buzzfeed, so <laughs> I can't really be too highfalutin when it comes to my Buzzfeeding. Um, so okay, we got to move quickly. Uh, there's this really new trend, this great new trend of pizza places that allow you to like customize your pizza, kind of in the way that you like go to Chipotle and you can choose like the crust and you can choose the sauce and the cheese and all the different toppings and. So they're saying that these are kind of like moving Domino's, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, those kinds of places into the category of being dinosaurs. Um, and they list like the coolest kinds of places like that. And my favorite is actually on here. Um, is it Blaze? Blaze is actually number three on their list. Um, they say... Uh, they, apparently, um, LeBron James is invested in Blaze. Um, he's, you know, investing in various different businesses. Of course, and he has. He's the one who's trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. I mean, if I, if you can get away with it, get your life. I, I, I sure. You know, I mean, it says there, Blaze is number three. My favorite is Mod. Mod is number two on the list. Oh, I've heard of Mod. Yeah. I like them a lot. Um, they say if you haven't heard of Mod Pizza yet, that may change since the company plans double its number of locations to open another five hundred stores in the next next five years um they're really really good but the number one place i've only seen one of these and i think it's like it, here in southern in, in la it's like in culver city i'm not sure where they are across the country but it's called pieology um yeah I, I haven't been but i've heard it's really good um they say that uh, that today's list of top 100 pizza companies of 2018 blaze and Mod mod rank higher in gross sales than pieology um that's likely in part due to their restructuring of pieology like they don't have as many of them but they are supposedly supposedly the best pie situation that you can get out there i'm not all about like assembly line pizza i don't know why it's just me i just want a bunch of Chemicals and cheese and random ingredients, and then I'll pick it up or have a robot deliver it Chemi to me. Chemicals and cheese. Yeah. Okay. I'm, go I'm going the dinosaur route. Okay. You're all organic. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the word of the day from wordgenius.com is eponymous. It's an adjective. Any guesses? Eponymous? Eponymous. E-P-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S. Uh, it's the opposite of autonomous. It's all of us doing things for ourselves. Uh, Almost wrong. Oh. Um, it's relating to the name of something. Like if this were the Jared Hill show or the Ali Johnson show, it'd be the eponymously named show. Like it's named after you. Huh. Um, like uh, describing an item named after a subject or question. That's eponymous. The word genius word of word genius dot com word of the day. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new channel Q. 
drop the subject. The new Channel Q. It's Monday, which means we're doing something crazy with food, um, which, I mean, really is what you look forward to, I'm sure. Um, and this week, Allie found out that the mystery Oreo was coming out. You know, Oreo's been coming out with, like, a bunch of different crazy flavors. My favorite one right now is the carrot cake Oreo. It smells exactly like carrot cake. It tastes just like carrot cake. It's delicious. But the mystery flavor Oreo is just that. It's a mystery. It's a limited edition thing. It's in a white package. We've searched high and low to find it. And Emmy found it this morning on her way into the show. Well, because the crackle of success. Yeah. We, we looked at many a grocery store and came up with it. And the plan is you taste the cookie. And if you can guess what it is... You can win fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and you can you can guess so you can put in a new guess every single day, I think until November. Yeah, so I says, believe you have some time. You have until uh, midnight November tenth. Um, and you can also submit by mail if you, you can just go to Oreo.com. You can submit so by mail. You can submit by mail if you're really well, if you're serious if about it. If you're submitting one guess per day by mail, you should get the fifty thousand dollars. You deserve fifty thousand dollars because you're spending stamp money. You got that time. ain't cheap anymore. Um so apparently they are are doing this for a little while. We're going to open up the package. All right. So, Emmy, you already have smelled. And by the way, Emmy went to a, a, a place to find these, and they, you, thank God you asked because they were not on the shelves. And then you had to ask, you did your, uh, hey, let me speak to the manager. And then they said, oh, wait, we actually do have these. They just haven't put out on a shelf yet. So, they had them in stock, but they hadn't displayed them. So, First of all, we need to do a smell analysis before we taste these. Emmy, you thought they smelled like what? I'm getting a cream cheese um, frosting vibe for sure. Like almost like the carrot cake, like that little like little twang. Okay, so I cream cheese. Now I'm intrigued because mine doesn't smell anything like that. Mine smells like a graham cracker. It almost smells like a s'more. Yes, I, I'm with you on graham cracker. So it smells like an actual graham. I wonder cracker. if you have. It the, smells like a what graham if, cracker. What if the gag is that they're all different? I'm gonna come smell yours. Wait a second. What is your smell like? Channel Q. What does your smell like, Ginger Justin? I'm picking up like cinnamon. I think, which is I think somewhere in between. Yeah, about you all right, so we have about. cream. We have cheesecake frosting, graham cracker, and cinnamon. Wait, wait, wait. Does Emmy, you think yours smells like mine? Let me smell your cookie, Emmy. Yeah. Channel Q. I just, (laughs) I just... No, No, it smells the same as mine. We just have different sniffers. I think they... I I would not be surprised if they put different kinds of cookies with the same flavor. Okay. That would be so shady. Well, I mean, that's how you you win this, right? Like, okay, so everybody... there would be no right answer. Well, right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, everyone take take a a bite. bite. Well, first of all, I'm amazed that they're able to get a, such a different flavor from the same looking cookie. I right. Mean, sometimes, you know, when they have, what is, it, is it the carrot cake ones? They're like orange, right? The, cor- the carrot cake is orange and the, the filling is like a cream cheese yeah. icing. So they're um, able to get a totally different flavor while having the cookie look the same. What's interesting to me about this is the cream feels, it tastes very chemically. Mm-hmm. It tastes like well, we put a bunch of well, I almost had a word. I know it. We put a bunch of stuff in this, <laughs> and I, I'm getting good at catching it before it comes out. Um, yeah, this tastes like a bunch of like artificial flavors happening. What do you think, Ginger Justin? Um, yeah, I can't quite nail it. It's something vaguely Christmassy. Really, I'm tasting. I know what it is. I know. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. Him, I know, saying, 100%. him saying Christmassy makes me feel like 
Maybe there's like some element of mint that I'm tasting here. Mint. Mm-mm. Wow. You think there's like what I do have you, my what you think as well? Someone mentioned churro really? earlier. I don't think it's churro. I don't think this is churro. When that you was said that, I was like one of the articles. Yeah. When you said, I think Emmy said churro earlier, and I no, you said em, mm. churro earlier, and I thought, oh, maybe it's like horchata or something. That's what I think it is. You think this is horchata? Mm-hmm. I don't think this is horchata. It's too chocolatey. It's either horchata or dolce de leche. Okay, we've got to go to a break soon here. So what we'll do is, um, uh, wait, Emmy, what is your vote? You think it's what? Horchata? I'm split between horchata or dolce de leche. See, I don't think it's either one of those. It's like a creamy cinnamon. Okay, Allie? This is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No. Yes, they'll do it on one of their cereals. It's no. Nabisco. It doesn't it doesn't taste cinnamony though. It does. Yeah, it, it does, does taste, taste cinnamony. cinnamony. I don't taste the cinnamon. This is cinnamon cinnamony graham. Where's the bag? With a with a hint of chocolate. This Where did is cinnamon oh. toast crunch. Sorry, I'm hoarding. I don't, I don't and the last it... time they did this, uh, I don't I actually don't know what the flavor last year was, but the year before that, I believe it was Fruit Loops or Fruity Pebbles or something like that. It was a different I think it cereal. It was Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. What about Golden Grahams? Yes, or Golden Grams. Oh. Totally. Okay, so the challenge, though, is then the cream would have to be milk. Okay, we're going to keep tasting these over the commercial break. We'll take a quick one. When we come back, we're going to vote on what we think this is and see who wins $50 million. $50,000. $50 million? Listen, I'm reaching for the stars here. We'll be right Oreo <laughs> is really running a costly campaign here. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the subject, Allie and Jarrett, and we are in the middle of tasting the mystery Oreos. We have everyone on the show and anyone, everyone in the studio has had a taste, and we have come to the conclusion that it is some kind of graham slash cinnamony horchata business. So the first, we'll see. I don't think it's graham. I mean, I don't think it's cinnamony. I, I just only taste the graham cracker situation however emmy you said you think it's something cinnamony or chata uh justin you said you taste the holidays which implies cinnamon and nutmeg i changed my answer to golden grams okay okay so i i kind of want to just uh i vote for the flavor holiday holiday (laughs) okay no i don't um i think that golden grand i said cinnamon toast crunch that was my guess but then i was thinking wow well ginger justin said golden graham but then i i think what they like to do is they like to come up with a flavor that coincides with another one of their products so and we did some research so for it to be that uh, we were thinking that it was our when we were in commercial break our first thought was like oh it must be golden grams the cereal did some research that's a, a general mill cereal not a nabisco I think it's the Honeymade Graham Cracker, or it's their um, their Teddy Graham. It's brand. Teddy Graham. I agree. Teddy Graham's. Teddy Graham's. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Teddy all right. Grams. So we're all in agreement on Graham, but whether it's Teddy or Honeymade. Okay. So we're gonna. I'm gonna type in Teddy Graham, mind you. If this fifty thousand dollars happens, you guys are out of luck. Um, but. It's asked You're for saying a name. that you would not share that money well, with us. Well, it just asks my name. It doesn't ask yours. So okay, got it. That's how that so, works. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. So we're playing. We're playing cutthroat. <laughs> I mean, mind you, you guys can all go and vote Teddy Grams as well. I'll 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 write that my name is Drop the Subject. How about that? Okay, I'm gonna. And that's on my ID. So. I don't think that it's honey made because I think there's a little something extra in it. Okay. And I think that's why it's probably Teddy Graham because Teddy Graham has that extra, there's like an extra sugary aspect rather than just a solid graham cracker. There's an option here to send me emails with reminders and clues about the mystery Oreo. Wait, Uh, clues? Yes. 
but I'm not interested in the exclusive offers, so submit. <laughs> okay, I'm going. Uh, you did Teddy Graham. Yeah. Okay. It says, thanks for submitting your guess. The best mysteries have multiple twists, so remember to guess a new flavor every day. If you guess right, you'll be in the running. For more chances to win $50,000, share on social media. Oh, stand by. Oh, God. Thou, thou, they've gotten us. It's a pyramid scheme. There we go. Uh, Clue number two, I scroll down on the website, says that it's often paired with chocolate, hence why we chose it. We'll keep the suspense till everyone knows it. If you scroll down... Maybe before, here's clue number one. Hold on, let's see. This is actually, now I do think it's a honey-made graham cracker. Its name, it's so, it's, its name it stole and history kept, perhaps from a creature that lived on a step. Can you Teddy hear one of your character voices? Oh yeah, because we don't know what you just said without the voice. Its name it stole and history kept, <laughs> perhaps from a creature that lives on a step. I, I think now that you've done that, I'm convinced that I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, well, the second clue about the paired with chocolate makes me think that it's honey made graham cracker. But then this other thing about a creature living on a step makes me think it's a teddy bear. Yeah, what about the Keebler elves? <laughs> the Keebler elves. Is that Nabisco? <laughs> uh, the next clue will be unlocked on September 30th. So, again, we can keep. Submitting our answers. Today, I say we go as a show collectively, Teddy Graham. Okay. Well, and that's then what we did. tomorrow, we can do a different one or we can keep going with Teddy Graham until we get the next clue. There we go. All yeah. right. So, Teddy Graham's it is. Uh, Emmy, thank you for your vote. Justin, thank you for your vote. Allie, me, we are going to have to really stick this one out and yeah. um, and see this one through to the end. Yes. Go team. All right. It's time for um, reminding you who the President of the United States is. It's time for Drop the President. <laughs> The president. So this weekend, there was a breaking headline that really caught my attention because I I was kind of excited by it. You know, we spent a lot of time here talking about the 2020 election and who's going to, you know, possibly pull it out. And this weekend, a headline came out saying that Elizabeth Warren has pulled ahead of Joe Biden in the Iowa caucus or, or the Iowa polling. Um, I believe she's within the, the margin of error, but there's, you know, that's a big deal for her to finally be, you know, in the lead Some for anyone to be beating Joe Biden. Yeah, I think that this is not something like when they announced all the candidates, of course, there were 70,000 of them. So it was kind of tough to tell. But even when during the last debate, I was surprised that Elizabeth Warren was kind of right at the helm of it all because I kind of thought that person would be Kamala Harris and then now to see her kind of one-upping Joe Biden is Mm -hmm. like wow okay she's she's the one she's the one that's pulling through it's just the universal health care thing scares me a little bit if she is the primary winner why because I feel like there's a lot of people who are tentative about that and so if it's you mean like she wouldn't win the election because of it yeah that it would be limiting her support because it's such a drastic change. Well, the Des Moines Register out of Iowa says, Warren, the U.S. Senator from Massachusetts, now holds a 2% to two percentage point lead with 22 percent of likely Democratic caucus goers saying she is their first choice for president. Former Vice President Joe Biden, who had led the registers three previous um, polls, is at 20 percent. And I am fascinated by this because it also sets her way ahead of everyone else. You know, Um, the margin of error here is four percent. So that's why we say like she's in the lead, but she's, you know, basically neck and neck with him. But this pulls her way ahead of Bernie Sanders and ahead of Kamala Harris. 
Chris and you know everyone else. It's uh, it's an interesting turn of events. I mean, she's definitely been killing it with all of the uh, debates. She's been killing it with her messaging. She's been having really great showings at um, you know campaign events. She, I think, she had the biggest campaign event last week on maybe like Wednesday or something in New York, where she had the most of any you know democratic candidate so far so her pulling ahead is it makes sense it makes sense and someone who is pulling behind a little bit is cory booker right he has announced that he will exit the presidential race if 1.7 million is not raised by the end of the month it's kind of like a parent saying if you don't raise this money i'm out of here but the problem is like no one's like no but mr booker like no one's like no one cares. Like, Cory Booker, like, I love you, Cory. think you're awesome. Um, yeah, but, but I liked what he had to say at the debates. I, I like plenty of things that he had to say at the debates. I still don't want him to be president. I don't Why think, not? I just don't think there's anything inspiring about him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's, like, touched the hearts of people across the country. And I just don't think he's the guy. I think he would be great in a cabinet position. But, I mean, I just... I don't see it for Cory Booker becoming president of the United States. I don't see him going up against Donald Trump. I don't see him really making enough waves to be able to have an impact in the race. Um, So, you know, I I think this means he'll probably be pulling out because I don't think he's going to get this money. Yeah, well, I mean, he is at least being honest, whereas Marianne Williamson is continuing to send me so many emails. So you did that to yourself. She is still hanging on for dear life. Yeah. So she has no plans, as least, at least according to my inbox, yeah. of dropping out of the race. Well, we'll see. Uh, coming up next, Donald Trump may have finally done something that might get him impeached, but probably not. What does that mean? Coming up next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Still lots to get to on the show today. Later in the show, we have Alex uh, Alex Cooper from the new Lifetime movie Trapped, the Alex Cooper story. Very fascinating watch. Can't wait to have her in studio. We also will do Coming to Terms. You know, everyone's been talking about sapiosexuality recently. So we're, we're going to be talking to who? We're going to be joined by uh, love, sex, and relationship therapist named Spirit out of um, Atlanta. She's fantastic. She's got a new show coming out soon. Uh, she's going to explain to us what it means to be sapiosexual, how that works, what the math is there, um, and what that means for how, how people you know find interest in someone. Well, if with my understanding, math would heighten the attractiveness, wouldn't it? Actually, for a sapiosexual, probably. Yeah. Uh, All right. Just quickly want to mention before we get into Trump around that in support of National Coming Out Day and the one-year anniversary of Channel Q, we are flying you and a friend out to the home of Channel Q, which is Los Angeles, California, for a weekend getaway. We will take you out in West Hollywood for happy hour at the Abbey. It is world famous. We'll put you up in a hotel. We'll give you two tickets to We Can Survive, which is the biggest concert of the year of Taylor Swift, Lizzo, the Jonas Brothers, Camilla Cabello, many, many more. So you just go to wearechannelq.com to enter to win. And somebody direct messaged us, Jarrett, Nepua63, said, please, Jarrett, tell us the president has been impeached or disappeared. Please, please, please. So (laughs) can you please make Nepua happy? I mean, the been impeached part, I would love to. Been disappeared, I think I... Well, I would love to. I can't respond to that. Okay. I, there's no way for me to answer that, and, and it'd be okay. Uh, it's time for Trump around. All right. So, 
what we have going on. We talked about this a little bit on fr- on Thursday or Friday of last week. I think it must have been Thursday because we do Trump Free Fridays. Um, there's a whistleblower that came forward to the director of national intelligence um, that was complaining about a phone call that Donald Trump had had with a foreign leader. Uh, the short version of it is he had this conversation and made some sort of a promise that were unclear on what that was. Um, and it was alarming enough to that person that they went to the director of national intelligence and said, this happened. This was alarming. You know, someone needs to know about this. And then we later found out that this was with the leader of, of Ukraine. Um, and so this has continued to kind of spiral and become a bigger and bigger thing where Donald Trump said, like, oh, this never happened. And then he's we're in the phase now because Donald Trump has this pattern of saying, like, if, even if I did do it, it wouldn't be wrong. And that's where we are right now. Um, but didn't he say, didn't he confirm that it was Ukraine? Yes, we're, we're clear that it was Ukraine um, based on the schedule and the things that he said and, you know, kind of like cross-referencing some things. Um, and we don't know what the promise was, but it seems that like it has something to do with Joe Biden and him wanting to get some information about Joe Biden's uh, son and some business dealings he had in Ukraine or whatever. You might remember back in, I believe it was in June or July, uh, uh, George Stephanopoulos from ABC News was in the White House and he asked Donald Trump if, you know, after the Mueller report has come out and there's all this conversation about you um, t- uh, talking with foreign leaders about trying to get information on an opponent, would you take that kind of information again? And he said, you know, I think you would. And he was like, would you report it to the FBI? And he says, I, I think I'd do both. I think I'd, I want to hear what the information was and I'd report it to the FBI. And this kind of ring, brings that back because you're going to a foreign nation uh, and asking them about a person who's in our government, who was in our government and wanting to get dirt on them right. for the sake of an election. And there's also like some military stuff on the table and the money like there's this is a huge deal that's really spiraling out of control. Um, And this could be something that would, you know, be a very significant thing. When we come back, Nancy Pelosi um, has uh, Nancy Pelosi has a letter that she's written to the members of Congress um, telling them why this would be such a big deal. And um, I'll just give you a snippet of that before we get into coming to terms. That's coming up next. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, so we're wrapping up Trump around because we got to get to coming to terms. But first, something that Nancy Pelosi said regarding this entire debacle yes. with, uh, with the whistleblower. She sent a letter out to all the members of Congress, and I, I thought this last little paragraph was important. It says, if the administration persists in blocking this whistleblower from disclosing to Congress a serious possible breach of constitutional duties by the president, they will be entering a grave new chapter of lawlessness which will take us into a whole new stage of investigation. And I think that really sums it up really well. Um, I I always say here, and I know it sounds like I'm being hyperbolic, but this is how we watch a government crumble. And like if a whistleblower cannot come to our Congress and say like this thing happened and you know, we have to do something about it. If that can't happen and a, a president can block it or a government can block it, that is that's unprecedented. And yeah. we, we would you know, we slip into being something else. So but they did say that if all of this is proven to be true, this is most definitely 100 percent impeachable. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's like number 650 thing that he's done that's impeachable. But this is a pretty significant one. We'll see if Republicans actually will do something. Ugh, with it. What a saga. This is like Trump and the giant impeach. Yeah, exactly. So, OK, Mark Ronson recently came out, as headlines are saying, um, about being sapiosexual. And we have a, a show, a segment around here that we call Coming to Terms. 
where we like to talk about uh, things that are in the in the media and in the pop culture that we want to be able to kind of explain a little bit. So it's time for coming to terms. I wanted to talk to a friend of mine who is one of my favorite people on earth. She's a love, sex, and relationship therapist. Her name is Spirit. Uh, Spirit, are you there? I sure am. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to hear your voice. You know, I don't get to talk to you nearly as much as I want. So I'll take it this way Working. if I can get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so explain to us, what does it mean for someone to be sapiosexual? Well, sapiosexual simply means that you are more aroused by sexual intelligence. It's that you pretty much find intelligence sexually attractive or arousing. So how do you like how does that even work like when you are in a conversation with someone you you're turned on by their conversation or like it's not like physical attraction where you're like oh I love your body or I love your face or whatever correct Exactly. It's somebody who may say, well, listen, while I love the way that somebody looks and attraction is important to me, I may find myself drawn to somebody simply by their conversation. And there are certain things that appeal to me more than the way that they look. So, for example, you might like witty conversation more than you enjoy foreplay. Or you may like a first date that is intellectually engaging. So if somebody says, hey, let's go to coffee so that we can talk, that may be a much better date than hey let's go watch a movie about the newest uh, the newest trend that's happening or the newest go see must see movie oh so if people are turned on by witty conversation it would make sense for them to be listening to this show that makes a lot of sense <laughs> So, so there you go. You might have a lot of followers here, and they may be sitting at home doing some things that we can't talk about yes. during the day, oh. simply by the quality of the conversation. So would you say then, Spirit, <laughs> that going to something like a, a a lecture would be as stimulating as like watching porn online or something like that? It's, it's Absolutely. that I see. Absolutely for a sapiosexual. Or they would say, hey, let's go to a book club, or let me send you uh, my newest writing. And grammar would matter in this thing. They would hate small talk. They would go really for more of the intellectually stimulating thing. They would love humility more than credentials because it's not about necessarily what you do, but it's about how well you can stimulate my mind. I feel like, so I, I told you guys I had a first date over the weekend and I haven't talked to you about, Spirit's kind of like my sis, like she's like my big sister. And so I haven't talked to you about this, but I had a first date and I immediately was like turned on by the way that he was talking to the server when I got there and like then he was talking about the work that he's doing and stuff like that and I was like oh that's really interesting and I was like is that me like am I that am I a sapiosexual a sapiosexual I don't know if mm -hmm. I am but I was definitely intrigued by the conversation that I had with him well listen let me ask you it's kind of one of those things have you ever had a professor this is I love to talk to folks about it in this term have you ever had a professor that there was nothing physically attractive about them perhaps they were uh, too old or they were physically not what you enjoyed. But the idea of every time you went to their class, just the way that they could talk about a thing made them seem so hot to you. Oh, uh, yeah. But then I also wonder how how if that's me actually thinking that the person is hot because of what they're saying or because I have to stare at them for an hour and a half. And then I no, decide in my no. mind that I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, their hair, the way that it falls on the side of their face when they're talking about Mesopotamia is really turning me on. <laughs> I Well, see, then we'd have to parse out. Is it the hair that's turning you on, the way it falls when they talk? Or right. is it the way that they talk about Mesopotamia in a way that you find just 
absolutely stimulating. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm actually really going to have to sit with this for a little bit because I think this might be me. You think so? Maybe. Cause like I, I'm, well, I'm, I know it is me. That's why I chose my husband. Because we can talk for hours about any subject, and it just turns me all the way on. Yeah. So, Spirit, you don't think of their of your. I mean, I'm sure now you think of your husband's appearance and how attracted you are to his appearance. But when you first met him, it was not about that at all. It was just about oh the, no, the let mind me say, it was totally no. It was totally about how he looked that got me. But it was the words that came out of his mouth that kept me. Oh, got mm. it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I always mm-hmm. say like the worst date I've ever had started off with a guy who was really really handsome and I was really excited to go out with him because we had been you know interacting on social media and like he told me what he did and I was like oh how'd you get into that and the first thing he said to me was like what's with all the Dr. Phil follow-up questions and I was like uh, yeah what See, for a true sapiosexual it you could have somebody who is GQ magazine's hottest person of the year and they would still not be able to stimulate you if what was not coming out of their mouths were not arousing that's oh how you gosh. would know he could be the the finest thing moving or she could be the the most beautiful exquisite creature on the planet and you would go you know what they're so hot but no they're just they don't do it for me I just can't and conversely you could have somebody that nobody would be drawn to and they go dude I'm looking at your person and I just don't get it and they're like dude if you talk to him for like five minutes you would be so hooked you, 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 you you're right so you don't get it because you haven't talked to them spirit okay. very quickly do you think that there's the opposite opposite do you think there are idiosexuals <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they must be. They're probably not called that, but I like to say they're just somebody who intellectual intimacy is just not that important. For. Right. Purely physical. <laughs> All right. I think I've learned something about myself, which often happens when I'm talking to you. So thanks for that on the radio. Love that. I want to hear about this date later on, sir. <laughs> of course. I'll talk to you when you get here. Love you. I'll Love talk you to you later. Too. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the subject with Allie and Jarrett. And we are, we're going to have to get to, uh, this is going to be short. I just want to bring this to your attention, Jarrett, because Alex Cooper has uh, just arrived. She's in, she's in the lobby relaxing. So we're going to bring her in in a moment. But I just want to take a moment for you and I to feel very, very thankful that we do not live in Colorado. Okay. For a very specific reason. This is nightmare news. Justin. <laughs> Nothing? Okay. Justin. Cool. Well, that was you know here. that we don't have all of our systems back. I, <laughs> I just figured that there would be maybe some creepy music because we knew we were going to do this, but here it is. There it is. It's a it's southeast coming. Colorado town that's built for passing through. It's a real travel corridor. La Junta, Spanish for the junction. But just before dusk, there's one. That's yeah. when La Junta's star attraction. What do you got? Oh, crawls into view. These are mostly Oklahoma brown tarantulas. Whoa. So there are a ton of tarantulas in Colorado for a very specific reason right now. There are thousands of them, Jarrett. Oh. Yeah. Jumped a little. They live in the remote and un. Oh, did, that guy said they jumped a little. Just, oh. just to clear that up. Okay. Developed Comanche National Grasslands by the thousands. There are thousands moving. Most of the year, the huge spiders live within inches of their burrows. When the weather cools down in the fall, though, that's when they migrate to mate. On a good day, you might see dozens of cars. You can see them swerving to. <laughs> I just like. 
in the road? Yeah, they're just crossing the road, and he said the people are swerving out of the way to not run over the tarantulas. You got me all the way messed up if you think I'm going to swerve to not hit a spider. <laughs> well, those would be some dead tarantulas. You, yeah, but have you ever seen arachnophobia? Sometimes you think that they're dead, and then they're not, and then they're mad that you tried to kill them. If I'm driving 65 miles an hour, what I'm not going to do is swerve to not hit a spider. Dodge the tarantulas. And if you want to stop for a closer look, it's one of the only wildlife you're encouraged to get up close and personal with. You can what? hand these to kids. I, you can hand these to kids, is what he crying? says. Okay. I know that we're all about Halloween right now. Everyone's getting all spooky. They're getting into the season. And it's like, oh, fake spiders. (laughs) How exciting. But let's just be clear. It's fake spiders. Okay. Real spiders are not something that kids should be presented with. Like real tarantulas? Like, aren't, aren't they lethal? Like... I'm so confused. Okay. they I think they're actually one of the nicer spiders. They're just one of the scarier looking spiders. And if you don't squeeze it, uh, I think it's not going to bite you. You think it's not going to bite you. Uh, by the way, cut to that sound, which I think is the spider eating that man. Yeah. And the key two words in that sentence for me that make me uneasy are, I think it won't bite you. I... I, the only time I've ever been bitten by a dog, it was a dog that doesn't bite. Oh, he doesn't bite. He's totally great. Yes, it's always it's the damn dog that doesn't bite. That one twice. The scariest part? Yeah, the horror story of tarantula is really the tarantula hawk. A huge wasp with a sting deadly to the spiders. Yeah, it, it's a little gory. It's a lot gory, but it's uh, it's pretty deep. That's nature. Ashley Michaels, Fox 31. Thank you, Ashley Michaels. Thanks, Ashley. That's nature. What a great tag. All right, well, we are going to take a moment. We have to get our guest in studio. Uh, she is the star uh, of the Lifetime movie Trapped with Alex Cooper, or Trapped with the Alex Cooper, Cooper story. story. And she wrote a memoir about her experience. Really, really fascinating. So you're going to want to stick around for that. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. So in studio right now, we're very excited to have a young lady with quite a story to tell. It is uh, the focus of a book that is now becoming a film on Lifetime called Trapped, the Alex Cooper story. Please welcome Alex Cooper. Hi. You hear the audience. They get very excited. <laughs> um, you came with with an audience that's going to try and distract you. you got three folks here. I know. I think this is a record for most guests brought by a guest. I, maybe. Maybe. It's uh, exciting. One of them will be joining us a little bit later, the director of your film. Um, so, Alex, welcome. Um, so, give people like a brief overview of, like, of what your story is and, and uh, how we got to learn who you were. Yeah. Um, briefly... Um, went to conversion therapy, got out, um, did a bunch of really cool things to overcome it. Yeah. Um, met a lot of really amazing people along the way. Um, you were in high school mm-hmm. and uh, you met a girl um, and kind of began a relationship with her. And mm-hmm. you told your parents about it and they were really upset about it. Right. Um, talk to me about that first relationship that you had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at first, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not gay. It's just this girl. Yeah. Um, but no, definitely gay. Um, <laughs> told my parents about it thinking this is going to be bad, but not as bad as, you know, conversion therapy. I didn't even know what conversion therapy was. Sure. Um, 
And you were 15. I mean, you're in your 20s now, but you were only 15 when this happened, right? right. So you you went out on a limb and said, all right, I'm just going to be honest with my parents. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, at least, I mean, according to the memoir in the book it was, or and the film, it was just kind of, they surprised you, totally blindsided you and brought you to this house that you'd never been to before. And you just kind of got thrown into this home. And I didn't even realize that because when I think of gay conversion therapy, a lot of times I think of bigger uh, establishments like but this was just a single family home. So that was really surprising to see that. And so is is that there must be a lot more of that than I think. Right. That's what a, that's what a lot of people think. They think conversion therapy, let's pass these laws, it won't happen again. Um, these are huge facilities with licensed therapists. Um, but what I went to was a member of the church. I went to their home, this couple. Um, in Utah. You lived in, in Southern Utah. California. They took you to Utah. Um, they took me to Utah, and it was um, some friends of my grandparents who went to the same church as them mm-hmm. um, and they had been running a conversion therapy out of their home. Yeah, and there was a couple other people there with you. Do you still talk to them? Do you know what has happened to them? No, I don't. I haven't had contact with them since I left. But since you got in there, you were very, very resilient. I mean, you once it seems, at least from what I'm gathering, that once you knew what you wanted, I mean... Your resilience is is incredible. I mean, were there ever, I mean, there had to have been moments of doubt for you along the way, just thinking of all the things that you lost, though, right? I mean, and all the things that they were, all the physical abuse and emotional abuse that you were going through. How did you stay so resilient throughout that? Um, It was, it was really hard. Um, In the beginning, I thought this is really this is so stupid like I'm not gonna stay here <laughs> you guys aren't gonna keep me here you're crazy um I- but after trying to escape multiple times and it just backfiring completely um I realized that I had to play along to get out of the situation that I was in you were there for a total of eight months is that correct mm-hmm. eight months of a really intense living environment where they didn't even really let you like leave to go to school for a while is that right right and then eventually you kind of learned to play the game talk to me about what uh what you started to do to be able to give yourself some freedoms yeah um so to eventually go to school I, I wasn't allowed to go to school for seven months mm-hmm. Um, I just had to give in. Um, I had to agree with everything that they were saying. Um, at that point, it was a little bit easier for me to give in because I was wearing a backpack full of rocks and facing a wall. For because they wanted the backpack full of rocks was to care to have a physical manifestation of carrying the burden of being gay, right? Right. right. And you were wearing a lot of layers because it hurt you to wear them, right? Okay. Um, so at that point, I felt like I was really worn down, um, and it was yeah. easier. For yeah, me I would to... say so. Yeah, yeah. So you felt like, well, I kind of don't have a choice. Like I have to go with what they are saying because right, for my was... own safety, physically and emotionally. Yeah, there was no way I could have kept up with wearing that backpack and staring at that wall. Now, when you got out, it was also because you had met some other. LDS members that were actually supportive, right? Have you since found a community of, uh, like, are you still involved with LDS? Are you surrounded with people that are a little bit more supportive of LGBT? Um, I'm definitely 
supported by all sorts of different people in Portland um, and in Utah and in California. I've met a really great community um, that just do everything to, su- to support me. Um, Mormons, I have really separated myself from all religion. Yeah, um, I don't I can understand that. I don't um, engage in any type of sure. religious practices. As a kid who grew up in a very religious family and you know heard things that were really hurtful and scary i can imagine i can't imagine going through conversion therapy but i I definitely know that when i came out to my parents they had all these ideas telling me that i need to be delivered and i need to be changed and all those things Mm -hmm. and i believed them and when they told me those things so i can imagine going through this kind of a thing the trauma of that one of the things that i i did wonder though uh at the beginning of the movie you meet a young lady what's her name the girlfriend that you had in high school um, I I don't know what her name is for the movie. Well, the, the uh, Frankie. Okay. It's Frankie. Well, Frankie. Frankie. Frankie was Frankie. her name. Um, did you ever see her again? Um, I didn't see her again. Really? No. Okay. Um, I think that was a really nice thought for the movie. Um, but I no, I didn't see her again. Okay. Um, but I have been with my girlfriend for two years. There is a happy ending. Nice. Okay. Um, it's nice. not that high school sweetheart, but well, <laughs> definitely a sweetheart. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the director of your film about bringing the story to life mm-hmm. and telling it on Lifetime. Um, it's going to be coming out on September 28th. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, more with Alex Cooper. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, so we're talking with Alex Cooper about her story that is now the focus of the new movie, Trapped, the Alex Cooper story on Lifetime, September 28th, is going to be premiering. And Alex, we were talking in the break, and you said that you thought it was important for people to recognize, like, they don't think about, like, the physical abuse part of, uh, of conversion therapy. And you said, but that wasn't even the most difficult part for you, right? Right. Um... So a lot of conversion therapy doesn't involve any physical abuse. Um, And I think the physical abuse was highlighted really well in the movie Mm -hmm. um, because that was a huge part of what was going on. Um, But I think the hardest part for me was just the mental abuse and the therapy um, that they were putting me through. The physical abuse, I mean, sucked, obviously. Um, and that's something that I think about. But the mental abuse was something that I think about every single day. What did that look like? Like, how did it manifest itself? What did they say do? Um, just religiously. Um, I had grown up in the LDS church my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I believed in it. Um, I mean, aside from being gay, I feel like I really fit into the Mormon cookie cutter mold. Yeah. Um, and so that being used against me in therapy... Um, it was just really hard. So then there came time to telling the story and Lifetime, you know, took the story on and wanted to write this film. Brought in Michelle. Uh, yes. And that's you. Yeah, that's me. Uh, talk to us about how you learned about this story <laughs> and how you uh, approached writing it. Uh, well, it actually came about uh, a little bit before Lifetime got involved. So our director, Jeff Hunt, um, reached out to me. He and I had uh, worked together on a different project uh, that he had directed and that I had written for television. And he reached out having just read Alex's story and having been deeply moved by it. Um, he grew up in the Mormon church as well. Uh, and he knew that I had been Mormon for a time and he also knew that I'm gay. So he um, 
he said that he had this book and sat down with me and said, I, I want you to read this and I want you to write this. Mm. And at the time, he didn't even have the rights to, to do the book. Um, but uh, but he was proceeding with just faith and great intention. And so I read it in the I, I think I read it in a night. Really? And the next day I reached out to him. and I said, I'm 100 percent in. And then uh, then it was a matter of um, getting the rights. And so once we had the rights, I essentially wrote it on spec. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then fortunately, by the time we were done with that, uh, we were able to get it to Lifetime, and uh, Lifetime has been great. They were phenomenal. They um, brought the project, bought the project, and uh, you know, let us move forward. And so, make the film. Michelle, how often were you and Alex working together? Because you had the the Lifetime movie itself doesn't have every single thing that's in the book, right? So, how did you decide what to put in and what not to put in? And Alex, did were you a part and a collaborator in that, or was it you showing drafts? How did that whole process work for you guys? Uh, well, we met um, we met via um, phone with Alex originally, and then um, you know we just sort of talked about it. They had other folks who were interested in in adapting the book, and you know when Jeff and I talked to them, it was really just a matter of explaining how we saw it and what we wanted to do, and expressing our intention to be as true as possible to um, to the content of the book. Which I, I just have to say is um, that is all Alex's experience. There's you know there were uh, timelines that I had to compress just. For the making of a film and uh, as Alex mentioned earlier in real life the the gal didn't come back the girlfriend didn't come back uh, and that was done for dramatic effect in in the film but all of the things that happened in there were actually things straight out of the book that happened to Alex and there was so much more that I would have wanted to include that we just couldn't include for time and um, Alex was great about it we talked about it originally and then uh, and then she just kind of she and Joanna kind of stepped back and uh, gave us the the freedom and space to be able to do that and I think uh, just trusted us that we would um, that we would honor what we had promised in the beginning, which was to honor her story. Absolutely. And Alex, it must have been so nice when you when people ask that question, who would play you in a movie about your life? You actually got to answer that. <laughs> yeah. How did, did you have anything to do with the casting of yourself? No, I didn't. Um, Are you happy with the casting of I yourself? Yeah. yeah. Addison is great. Yeah. I was saying when you, guys, when you walked in the studio, I immediately knew who, it, who you were because I was like, she looks exactly like yeah. the actress. It's so, it's, it <laughs> exactly. Was a really good I was like, oh, okay, great. Um, okay, so I, w- I want to know, Michelle, for you writing this story, what do you think is the most important thing that people should know about Alex's story um, as a person who's kind of like dug into it and, and yeah. really unpacked a lot of it? Uh, I think really just that what, what people will see in the film uh, that comes out on Saturday at 8 p.m. on Lifetime. Well played. <laughs> see how I did that? Um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that all of that stuff is real. Uh, that 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 was Alex's experience in conversion therapy, and that uh, that conversion therapy is is always some form of that. Whether, uh, as Alex pointed out a moment ago, whether it involves a physical component or not, um, it's taking these young people who know who they are internally and telling them that what they know about themselves is wrong, mm. uh, that they need to repent for it or fix it. Um, telling them, you know, uh, that that God does not love them the way they are, and and especially someone who's grown up in a religious environment, to be told that God doesn't love you, even though you are also simultaneously taught that God made you, yeah. is just such a, a horrible, a horrible thing. I have to say, uh, Lifetime did a movie, I don't know how many years ago it was now, called Prayers for Bobby with Sigourney Weaver, uh, and it was a story of a of a young gay boy named Bobby who jumped into he jumped off an overpass into traffic um, after coming out to his family and it was one of the most like 
moving things I'd seen for myself and I know that so many people saw that film and saw Bobby's story and listened to his mom um, speak before you know the city council about how um, you know a child is listening and I ended up writing a piece about it and it, it really moved me and so I'm excited for people to be able to see this story and to be able to see another aspect of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. experience and you know what people are going through in this country and the intersection of, of religion and uh, sexuality uh, I think it's really important so I'm, I'm really excited for people to get to see this story and yeah. to, to hear more about Alex what you went through and, and what you what you came through I should say um, I should uh, I just want to quickly add to that that um, that uh, I'm I'm personally so grateful to our partners at lifetime for um, believing in this project and taking it on because one of the one of the amazing things about being able to be on lifetime is the fact that uh, that it's a network that's everywhere and so people who uh, may be experiencing this in their own lives or may be uncomfortable buying a ticket to a movie theater because they're afraid that they'll be seen because someone in their life is gay and maybe they don't know how to handle their child or they're thinking of conversion therapy or someone is um, knows someone who might be going to conversion therapy this is something that uh, people we we hope will be able to see this story and in the privacy of their own homes start to change hearts and minds and start to raise awareness that uh, conversion therapy is out there and it is not a positive thing for the people who go through this. Um, it's it's incredibly damaging and um, you know and and we're grateful for them put, for putting it out and also for for Alex for sharing her story because it I can only imagine what it must have taken to be able to share this story publicly and then further than that to allow it to be um, made into a film and to trust Jeff and I that. Um, um, that we would honor her experience, um, and and that is really this this is going to be hopefully um, an incredible thing that will save lives, literally. Absolutely, and Alex, we're very happy that you are hap- in a happy relationship now, yeah. and that you're on your own, and that you were pretty much emancipated, right, as a teenager. Um, no, I wasn't emancipated. Um, I, well, you, your lawyer helped you kind of get out of the situation yeah, as a teen. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm very happy that, that you're here to tell your story. We really appreciate you coming in. And I really like at the end of the movie, you mentioned the Trevor Project as a resource mm-hmm. for people. My wife uh, was a volunteer there for a long time, and that's a great resource for people who are going through these, uh, these circumstances. And uh, everyone, check out Trapped the Alex Cooper story on Lifetime, September 28th at 8 p.m. Michelle and Alex, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject after this. Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. We are back. And uh, Justin, I understand there's like a phone call situation happening. The light just came on. What's going on? Hello. (laughs) Clayton, we've actually never been on together. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm normally here... I'm I'm normally out when you're here, so um, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, you too. It is by visibility day, and I think it was a, it was about to go unmentioned. I can't believe it on the show, especially on Channel Q. This unheard of. So thank God you called. I wanted to give y'all an opportunity not to feel like crap if you didn't talk to a bisexual today. <laughs> I normally do, so I'm glad you I'm glad you gave us that. It's by visibility day. <laughs> right, right. He's like, and this is me being. Visible. Visible via my voice. Yeah, this is me being visible in your eardrums. Thank you. It's not audible visibility day for bisexuals. That's tomorrow. No. It's (laughs) audibility is tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, Clayton, what are you you doing to celebrate your visibility today? You know, I'll probably just eat some Napoleon ice cream. Let me stop you. Let me stop you, Clayton. It sounds like you have not planned for this day. 
I haven't. Because honestly, I just found out that it was today from Twitter. Oh, <laughs> so oh, so you're calling to give us crap about not knowing, and you didn't even know about your own holiday? You're right, Clayton. I think you should take the day off work. I I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ish. I've taken the last three day, three months off work. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm very, very <laughs> proud of for you. This moment. Well, Clayton, we're really excited to be able to celebrate this momentous occasion with you on the radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being gay, and thank you for being bisexual. You're <laughs> congratulations. I think you're welcome. Congratulations. Clayton, I think that you should also just have one little nude moment today to make sure that you are very, very visible on this day. I will. Check my Instagram. You might see something. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> Great. Oh, I'll check it before it gets reported and deleted. Yeah. And if you don't see it Great. there, just go to Clayton's WikiFeed page. Exactly. Okay. Happy Bye Visibility Day. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Drop the subject. We'll be right back. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, that's a show. I think we're almost out of here. We've got a little bit more business to take care of before we say goodbye. I um, want to remind you that the Alex Cooper story, really, really important. You should be checking that out uh, on Lifetime. Um, it's uh, it's an incredible story, so make sure to check that out. And good news. You can also be hanging out with us in Los Angeles. If you don't live here already, we are going to fly you and a friend out to see us. The home of Channel Q. This is all for National Coming Out Day and the one-year anniversary. It's been a year already. A That's year of Channel Q. Crazy. Yes. And we're going to put you up in an amazing hotel. We're going to give you two tickets to We Can Survive at the Hollywood Bowl, which is an incredible concert. We're so excited to go. Taylor Swift, Lizzo, the Jonas Brothers, Camila Cabello, many, many more. So all you have to do to get in it to win it is go to wearechannelq.com. Everyone here at at Intercom, um, when we heard about the lineup for We Can Survive, everyone was like, oh my God, I want to go. And like a lot of us are going to be able to go. And people were pretty thrilled about getting tickets because we work here. Yeah, it's pretty... That's definitely a big perk. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, so... I understand we've got some headlines. We do. We have the gayest news headline winners because we ha- uh, we always reveal what the nominees are. There are four nominees every Friday. And then on Sunday, I put them up on our Instagram story and I let the voting begin. And the nominees this week were... Yas Queen. Headline number one. Two women and a magical cat hit the road in Are You Listening? The book. Probably not going to be a Lifetime movie. Probably not, but you never know. Headline number two, Jude Law's bulge steals the new Pope from John Malkovich. More questions than answers there. Headline number three, Queen very annoyed with David Cameron. (laughs) And finally, headline number four, Semen Factory explodes. Ding, ding, ding. And Jarrett, the audience is in agreement with your bell dinging because D... Semen factory explodes. Okay, let me stop you. I made sure I had a little bit of a pause there. Did you make that D on purpose? It was D. It just happened to be D. The D was the exploding semen factory? Right, and it happened to be... Which is really the name of every man that walks the earth? That's true. Okay. A walking semen factory. Uh, It was a bull semen factory, but it got 96% of the vote. That is overwhelming. (laughs) I don't think... There was definitely no close voting there. I don't think we've ever had a margin quite that <laughs> quite that wide. Yep. Um, so, wow. that's another great contender for next Gayest News headline there, Jarrett. <laughs> Congratulations. Quite that oh, wide. Oh, like for the All-Stars yeah. um, that we do at the end of the year? Uh, yeah. I think that... Um, 
I think that's a good place to say goodbye. Well, no, we have happy endings. We do. Um, because there are some saddy things, and it's important to take some of those things and put a silver lining on them and give you something positive to take into the rest of your day. Yes, absolutely. Justin, I see that you have a few things written down here. What do you have? What's your happy ending? I actually have nothing, but that's my bad, because I waited for the Larry Vast Minute. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. I feel like when we do an interview before happy endings, it makes it difficult to have a happy ending. Do you have one? I do. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump may never get impeached, and maybe he will run for president again, and that can be very, very scary and very crappy, but we at least know that he does not have the sapiosexual vote. (laughs) And that is something. You know, I I would say you're right. I would say that was pretty well played. Um, I will say my happy ending is we may not have figured out what the mystery Oreo is, That's our show. Uh, <laughs> hey I don't. I, Oreo. I, I, it's the bag is sitting in front of me, and I'm like, what the hell is that freaking Oreo? And I do think we figured it out. But you know what? Our producer, Emmy. Emmy came back later uh, after she left the, the, the building, and she was like, I think I figured it out. Yeah, she thinks that she's changing her answer to cinnamon dunkaroos, which is very, very specific. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Emmy, I, I you might be right. I don't know. I guess we have another day to vote tomorrow. Yeah, we have we have many, many more chances to vote, and there are many more clues that will be revealed. We have the package here, so we can always continue tapping in. We can try again tomorrow and the next day and the next day until we really nail it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> that is the show for us today. Uh, coming up in a little bit, Shira and Ryan will be here for Let's Go There. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. On the, ne- on the next, drop the subject. Next time, we're going to talk to Dr. Jen about the five things you should really not compromise on in your relationships. Plus, we'll talk about the self-care trend and how it's traveling over to men. Men like our producer, Ginger Justin, the hardest working man at Channel Q. Justin, what is self-care to you? Look at that. We're out of time. No, I don't think we are. I think you have to take time, Justin. Time for yourself. Do you want a massage? Can I go back to work now? Drop the subject. 12 to 2 Pacific. 3 to 5 Eastern. On the new Channel Q.